You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, you can flee the country. You can change your name. You can get pissed off that those kidney stones aren't giving you the love and fortune that they advertised. But nothing. 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 I'll save you from the watch list. How are we all doing? How was everyone's weekend? Post-Halloween. Now we're like between Thanksgiving. Uh, this is the time of year where the rest of the year just flies by. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Just blink and then it's the new year. I felt like we were just in summer. So That's because we were. <laughs> yep. And then we kind of. You we, thought we had fall, but. we yeah, had, You know really. what, though? Like we had a good few weeks of fall, but during the weekdays when everyone was at work. And you and I do massage therapy, so during those nice fall days, we're in our own little corner of the universe, which is nice, but we didn't. You can't see daylight. No windows. We're just like, oh, I'm so glad everybody's out having fun in the sun. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, um, I can't believe that uh, that one of the national treasures has died today. Yes, Stanley passed away today. And, uh, you know, in I work in an, uh, another industry, the comic book industry, and we all hope to go that way because, I mean, he was a legend, is a legend. He died a comic book legend, and that's how I hope I pass away. And he passed away on top. You know, I mean, superhero movies have not yet gone the way of the Western. Whether they will remains to be seen, but it didn't happen during his lifetime. And he saw great productions from, you know, his catalyst, his works, his publications, um, Marvel. So, did you ever um, meet him? I, he walked past me and Kevin Miner, and we went to go watch him speak at C two E two. You know, we just kind of gathered around, like, oh, and then you know, he says what he's going to say and about the latest movie, and then he goes Excelsior, and everybody loses their mind and. Um, we didn't know he was going to come walking through the audience and he walked right past us. And I'm like, this is going to be one of those stories that we retell, but then it gets more extravagant as it goes on. Honestly, he just walked past us. It's going to be like, <laughs> he touched my hand and the next year it's going to be like, he gave me great life advice. And next year it's going to be like, <laughs> I don't know, like he offered me a job, something like that. I'm making my own memories. But it's going to be like that story in Night of the Roxbury when they went, they were telling everybody in line at the club that they met Emilio Estevez, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to impress people. Like, I saw Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Ducks man himself. He was across the street. Emilio! True story. And I was all like, <laughs> Emilio! Turned around, tipped his hat. <laughs> True story. That's what our Stanley story is going to be yeah. like. But he looked good. And I know this past year, he kind of went downhill. He's 95 years old. But here's my thing, too, was that... Um, a lot of people are very sad. I'm like, no, man, he went out like triumphant. Why are we sad? People die, folks. For mm. the past couple of years, I've been thinking that, I mean, since he was older, that he was, I mean, he was eventually going to pass away, and I knew within a couple of years. So I really wanted to meet him, and I never met him. But, no, mm. you know, I guess he wasn't meant to be. That's right. You know, and sometimes, and I'm not saying anything about Stanley, but there are times where we should never meet our heroes. You know, maybe that was one of those times, you know, um, and we're going to get into a lot about fate, and destiny, uh, because we have a, a guest on today, Mr. Okay. Omar, Hello. who is a shaman <laughs> who drove all the way here 
from Ipsy to come and talk to us today. And we feel so blessed right now. Thank you yes. and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Are you into comic books? So my <laughs> thing with the comics, uh, check this out. So when I was growing up, um, I'm the oldest boy. Um, and then my brother Achilles, right after me, we used to go outside and play superheroes. And just imagine, and for us, Marvel was always better than DC. My my brother did favor some DC characters, but for me, it was always Marvel. And uh, we would just play for hours outside. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because everybody wants to be, like, in everyone's movie of life, they're the hero. They want to be the hero. And they identify with superheroes, strengths and weaknesses. And um, it's a magical thing. And the greatest thing I think about comic conventions and the comic book culture is that everybody fits in. You know, there's not too many places um, or subcultures that you can say, you know, everyone has a place, you know, uh, whether age, race, child, 90 year old man, doesn't matter. Everyone can be in a comic books um, and there's no prejudice there. And um, I'll get one shameless plug out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I do have an active Kickstarter right now for my Viking witch series called uh, Cirrus. And Cirrus is Norse mythology meets the craft in the style of heavy metal. We only have two days left in the Kickstarter. And it's to pre-order the book. We are $300 away from the next stretch goal, which is 4K. We have 177 backers, and we appreciate every damn one of you. We didn't think it would come this far. But it has not that we didn't have faith that it would, you know, but um, we're just overwhelmed with gratitude. Wanted to thank you, everybody, again. Again, that's Cirrus, uh, S E E R E S S. It's uh, about Viking witches on the southern shores of Iceland in the late 900s. Um, savage, sexy, fun. And uh, so, yeah, check it out on Kickstarter. It ends uh, midnight on Thursday. So, I just want to plug that real quick. So, I'm going to spike the ball to Holly. <laughs> not spike it but. Um, so you have a impressive and extensive um, bio which includes um, I see here that you a uh, is I can't talk <laughs> you are a modern day shaman an empath a spiritual consultant a Reiki healer and a paranormal investigator which um, you had created the the sorry, I got lost in my. You are the founder of the Sate Spiritual Consultations, right? And the Sate Spiritual that? Consultations. Um, I would say maybe. You know, I've done this. I've done this before, just under a different name. So I will, I'm always switching names, and you know, whatever feels right. And right now, this is the one that feels right. Uh, so I'd say for about a year, but aggressively more so the last couple of maybe six months um, after meeting uh, Beverly Fish, which is the demonologist that I work with. Um, and we put together sort of a team. There's three of us uh, that do spiritual cleansing of homes. So um, being out there and trying to network, going to different psychic fairs and events, we'll have a table, we'll meet people, we'll listen to their story. Um, the, Spiritual cleansing of the homes is something we do for free. We accept donations. We don't charge anybody. So, uh, yeah. So these folks, you know, most of the ones that we meet 
um, aren't like financially set or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know. So it's important for us that they get the help that they need, you know, more so than us being, you know, hey, we charge like a hundred dollars for this or two hundred for that. That's not important. What's important is we have gifts, and there's tons of folks out there that need help. So, um, but aside from the spiritual uh, home cleansings. I do lecturing and I do charge for the lecture because I do a lot of time. I put a lot of time in for the research and, you know, the preparation. And uh, those places do charge, you know, either by the hour or for a day, the rooms that we I do the lectures in. So where's where's your next lecture? Do you have one lined up? Okay, so the next one is in December. I have actually two that I'm trying to line up in December, uh, December 5th and December 15th. I don't have them official yet. Um, I'm working with uh, Amy Garber, who is uh, kind of in charge of the Enlightened Soul Center down in Ann Arbor, which is where I did my last lecture and went over really well. So um, as I start to um, come to the final moments and where I really work, my like my real job, quote, mm-hmm. unquote. Right. The one that so, pays the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one that pays yeah. the bills. You know, the one that gets all that. So um, <clears throat> I should be done with that coming towards uh, probably mid-January. So my goal is to set myself up, you know, s- starting next year with doing more lecturing, more dates, um, kind of just promo and marketing myself and what I can do um, and uh, get some finances from that that can then help me finance the spiritual cleansing of homes. So we're not depending on, you know, funds from that. So when you're when you're lecturing, um, what so someone can know what they're going, um, what they're you, about. Yeah, are you talking about the paranormal? Are you talking about healing? Because I know you have a lot of different there things is. that you're into. So, okay, so the last lecture I did was on thought forms and spirit attachments. Um, but I also have one on how to clean your home, spiritually cleanse your home. I have another lecture on what I call a dream state, which is uh, what I do if I need to do an advanced type of um, reading into a situation. Like if I'm, I'm working with a client and I'm not getting enough information from what I see and from, you know, the experience I'm having there in a the home, then I have to go into an altered state, which is more like I'd go home, lay down, half in, half out, zone everything, kind of create like a almost like a, a tomb <laughs> and then uh do some astral traveling and find out what's going on do you have a the space in your home with sensory deprivation that you set up no i have a bed and it's the windows that i close <laughs> and i put something over my eyes so that it's really really dark gotcha so it's not so much like i don't i, don't, I mean i could do that in other places i just prefer to do it in my bedroom for right, right now right right so um, I kind of wanted to take it back with you as far as when you were younger and you grew up in Philadelphia, correct? I did. Okay. Uh, how old were you when you moved here? Oh, I, I mean, I was in Philly until I was about 15, 16. But even up into those ages, I was going back and forth to Puerto Rico. My mom moved us quite often. Um, but I, I moved here, I want to say, was it 2000? 2011. Okay. And um, is this something that you were born with or something that you've developed? Because I know sometimes that if we open ourselves up, we can tap into things. Um, and But some people say that they're born with certain gifts. 
Okay, so it's a, it's a mixture of both, right? So I was born uh, for sure with the empathic and the clairvoyance, for certain. But for me, and as I as I grew into it, and then also um, developed it, you come to the understanding that it was something I had from a past life. It's not like you know I was born into this life, and then you know the universe said, "Hey, here's two gifts. Let's see what you could do with it in this lifetime." When you start becoming in tune with it, and you start to develop it, um, then you come to the realization it takes lifetimes to do some of the work and know some of the things that um, that I'm doing now. So you you turn nature into uh, you developed it into a craft. Well, you gotta hone it and shape it. Well, sort of, right? So for me, it was more of one accepting it, which in itself is an is an ordeal because there's times where it doesn't seem like it's a blessing; it seems like it's a curse, and right. it's actually a mixture of both in some circumstances, right? Until you get to until you raise your vibration and realize that it's it is a blessing, it is a gift, and it needs to be shared with folks that need help. How did you How did you know that you had something different than most people that's a good question because in my in my family especially my on my dad's side you know it was quote unquote normal okay yeah so i come from a family of psychics in a sense so it wasn't like ooh i got something nobody else has it's like we all had it in a right. sense just different styles to it but um i'd have to say probably when i became i want to say wow 17, 18, when I realized it was something that it was something different, that not everyone did have it, at least not to the level that I had it. But the issue at that age, though, was I wasn't using it for good. I was using it more for my own personal gain. So and I think there's quite a few people out there like that. And they call it intuition. They call it gut feeling or something like that. But, um, you know, especially uh, and it's not necessarily those that are doing like illegal activities, but even in. Um, you could have a, a corporate job and you have an instinct or something that's telling you go with this or go with that. And it's just making you richer while it's taking advantage of some other people. So we, we all, to a certain extent, have something there. Just to, you have to decide what do you want to do with it. Right. You can't just fulfill your they can be desires. Some, yeah, it can be self-serving or you can do it as a servant and kind of, you know, let the universe use you as an instrument, which is where I'm at now, you know. Use me as an instrument of peace, of healing, and, you know. Were you hearing things or seeing things, um, and that was your, uh, the gift that you were born with? Um, right. As so as, when, as far as I can remember, I was about six or seven when I saw a, a little man run across the bathroom wall. But for me, it wasn't odd. It's not like I, I just ran to my parents hey i saw something to me it was like it was it, it, it didn't felt scare normal. you either it didn't scare me it concerned me because he was running really fast so i was concerned and there's the empathic you know what what's chasing him where's he going is he going to be all right because i only saw him for like a couple seconds and then he disappeared so but from that point on i saw you know i continued to see things hear things and when i got when i got older it was some near-death experiences that kind of advanced it which if you if you um, know anything about like the ancient mystery schools and stuff like that, they had initiations. And I think now in life now that we all have initiations as well. 
Um, it all depends on one, if you're aware that that's what's happening, that allows you then to connect the dots. Or if you don't know that it's happening, it's still going to happen. Right. And, and from what I've read, it's it's a weird thing to accept. Not everybody can go through like this shamanistic journey and make it to the other side. Some people, you know, turn away because it's, I had a, an incident where um, I, I had chased a rabbit way too far down a hole and I couldn't unsee a different perspective that I saw and it just totally blew my mind. But when I Googled that, how do you cope with knowing that the world that you thought was isn't? And the first thing that popped up in Google, of course, I Google everything, was shamanism. And shamanism, once you've made that connection to uh, the other side and being this conduit between the spirit world and the living world and um, that it's it's not for everybody. And it's one of those things that you actually have to learn how to um, cope and make peace with and then use it, like you said, as an instrument. And not everybody is equipped to do that. Um, but you, like you said about the story about the man who was running across a wall, some a, a, the run-of-the-mill person, like their initial reaction would be, fear and you just saw it from a totally different perspective like you didn't like say out loud in your mind like oh well, there's something from beyond like running across the wall you just said what's wrong with him and that's the empathetic side right but, the, um, the empath yeah but for, that, another thing that i think played a key role at that moment was the fact that i was a kid you know, before all the other contamination that society gives you when you start to grow up and go through school and, and all this other stuff. I was still at that age where um, my creative side was more, like I said, I used to play with my brother and side, more imagination, more creative. And that sort of speaks for me anyway. So that played a part in it. Um, also for the empathic um, is growing up in, in an abusive household, you know, like um, I was abused as a kid physically by both my parents. Um, and I think that opened me up to being able to connect to others that were um, abused. I mean, I think everyone at some point has experienced abuse, some more than others, but when it comes to being able to connect to an individual, to their center versus their mind, you know, a lot of times when you meet someone, like I think it was the comedian Chris Rock said, you're meeting the representative, so to speak. But if you're, Coming from an empathic, which for me, true empathy is feeling before thought. And in society, a lot of times it's the other way around. We think before we feel. And But the issue is that fear and ego reside in our mind. So that's taking precedence over how we truly feel, right? Okay. We put that before empathy. But true empathy is feeling before you think. And it's really hard to do that because of how we, you know, either raised or trained or how society wants us to... Uh, view each other because <clears throat> we've seen that as being irresponsible but can it be irresponsible? well it's not just irres irresponsible but it's vulnerable right and i think that's the bigger issue like do you really want to instead of um trying to filter or decipher who this individual is in front of you do you would you rather connect with them on an emotional level first right because there's always something that we can connect with emotionally first Instead of putting those filters and trying to, you know, decipher who this individual is in front of you. Now, when you started hearing and seeing things other than the little man when you first saw, um, was it mostly relatives or um, in this life that maybe had passed or um, something that's more involved with you? Or was it 
uh, spirits coming forward that you don't know that were trying to seek help. Because I've heard from um, those who have a special gift and some of them say that they have spirits coming to them because they know that they can see them or hear them and they want help with their loved ones who are still here to send them messages or um, help them cross over, things of that nature. So for you, what was your experience? My experience, it varied, right? Because there was a, a time there where it was that. It was spirits coming to me that wanted me to pass on a message. And uh, some of them, no problem. I didn't, I didn't mind doing it. Then there were others a little annoying. Um, because again, uh, let's be, let's be uh, clear. For me, a ghost is uh, energy that's kind of trapped in time. Um, and then a spirit is a person without a body. So it's just like strangers coming up to you and saying, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you go, can you give this message over here to this person? And at, you might be in the middle of doing something. You're like, uh, no, not right now. <laughs> you know, and, and some of them, again, it's people without bodies, very persistent. You know, and uh, even now, you know, I can go into places and I see them and they see me. And that right there at times can be a problem because it's been a while since someone they recognize that someone sees them. It's like if you're in, in a completely total different country and then you run into someone that speaks English. Mm-hmm. How happy would you be and how close would you be to that person? Like, you don't want to lose that person, right? Right. Because right. everybody else is speaking a different language. You're lost. You don't know what's going on. You can't understand. There's something familiar. And then, boom, here's someone that speaks perfect English. And you're going to be attached to that person. It kind of feels that way sometimes with some of these spirits. Some of them are considered, then there's others. And, I, and when I view other, uh, some psychics that do this, that really, um, uh, connect with spirits that have, uh, people that have passed on and want to, you know, uh, make the connection for their loved ones and stuff. They'll say that sometimes. So and so jumped the line, you know, just like people. Like you could be waiting, like someone wants to jump the line. Like they're not going to wait. Mm-hmm. Finally, somebody's going to get a message to my loved one, and and it happens, you know. So, uh, for me, but getting back to your question, it's a it's a mixture. Like I don't mind doing it, but I don't want to do it all the time. Right. You know what I rather do is try and help folks that are still here connect with their loved ones. So it's not just a message from Omar, but here's a method that you can use so that you can get several messages from your loved one, okay? Because they're on the other side and they can provide you with information that you don't have. They don't sleep over there. Their perspective is wide open, you know, and and they see things that we don't, obviously. Right. So you could use that to an advantage. What what impedes that, though, can be grieving because that that grieving, that dark thickness, it hurts them when they try to get close and try to communicate with the loved ones still here. So you have to get through that phase first. We're human. So we're going to grieve. Once you get through that, then it makes it a little easier for the messages and for the loved ones that have passed to communicate. Um, so we met Omar when we were actually on the paranormal uh, pub crawl. Um, and, uh, he had everyone ask a question. And when you were talking about spirits versus ghosts, uh, I found that very interesting, your definition of that, because I never really thought about it like that. I'm like, well, that makes total sense. Um, and then when you were talking about past lives too, so you feel like you're in tune with your past life. Well, sort of. Okay, so <clears throat> there's a reason why we don't remember our past lives. 
But there's also a reason why we should at least try to reach some of it and uh, figure out, okay, what we're supposed to gain in this lifetime so we're not repeating it. And what I find interesting are some of the relationships too. Like um, people get caught up in uh, the romance concerning soulmates, but our soulmates are our parents, our siblings. It's not just meeting that one person that kind of completes you, quote unquote. And understanding that, then you kind of realize that it's not just about you. It's about a soul group. Like the immediate soul group would be your family. And you're all here on a certain, for a certain purpose to help each other grow spiritually. And in a past life, the roles could have been a different, you know, like whoever's your sister in this lifetime in a past life could have been um, a, a brother, could have been an uncle, you know, roles change. And all that's kind of like talked about and agreed upon before we incarnate, you know, or reincarnate into a lifetime to help each other grow. Yeah, I have a client who swears that her personal trainer is her dad. And she's like, I, I want to tell him that, but I think it's creepy. But just everything about him and just the feeling that he gives me, like, as, you know, in, uh, this guy is, like, way, yo- uh, way younger than she is. But she's like, I swear, like, even just his mannerisms, like, that's my dad. And there was a reason that I came here because, of course, the personal training, it changed your life. It became part of a lifestyle. So, um, well, yeah, I totally believe that roles yeah, change. There's books out there where the parents, you know, the little kid is talking about stuff that happened before he was born. Oh, yeah. So there's, there's, I consider that documented proof. I mean, the, uh, so what happens? I mean, as far as reincarnation, I'm a total believer in that. But the, it's not just believing in it. It's trying to figure out, okay, so what am I supposed to learn in this lifetime? So that I don't have to do it again in the next lifetime, in that sense. I mean, yeah, there's been stories where young kids can recite things from history that they claim happened to them. And there's no way that they would be able to know that because they haven't witnessed that. Or And yeah. their parents claim they've never watched right. the History Channel or, you know, Case in point, that, that one kid who, who he had the name, the, the plane that he flew in World War One, yeah. where he went down at. He, you know, he, and he yeah, was like where he died. Eight years old. The name. But I think he saw a picture. If that's the one I'm thinking of, too, where he saw a picture of himself and he pointed out to his parents, that's me. Yeah. And he met the sister of uh, the, uh, the the serviceman and uh, she said her name and he said her nickname. He's like, no, we call you Annie. And he's like, she, she said, there's no way. There was just no way. Like, this is my brother. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Like, I mean, there's no other explanation. Um, do you believe that we have spirit guides or um, angels that watch over us? Absolutely. Um, and I think that it's important to find out who they are. And, you know, some of them, it varies. Some of them could be family members that have passed. Some of them could be assigned. Um, some of them could be temporary. So it's not like they'll follow you for the rest of your life. You know, sometimes they take it in shifts. So it all depends. Some of them are non-human. Do some quit because they're fed up? Because you keep repeating the same pattern? <laughs> like I said, spirits are people without bodies. And I know, you know, there's several out there that don't have patience, you know. And they, like I said, they'll take it in shifts. Like they'll step away and somebody else will come in and try to communicate and help you that way. So it happens. Now, how do you become more sensitive to that? How do you get in tune with communicating with your spirit guide? 
One is acknowledging that they're there. Two would be meditating. Three would be making yourself available for that. Sure. You know, um, I think a, a lot of people have the curiosity part of it, but what they don't have is the the work ethic that needs to follow that. When you find out that you do have a spirit guide, okay, so now are you willing to put the work in that your spirit guide is telling you you need to put in? Mm-hmm. It's like following your higher self or that consciousness. This telling you, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing that. Right. And I think we're all our own worst enemy in that regard. We right. don't want to follow our higher selves. The information's right there, but right. we have so much self-doubt that, you know, we can blame X, Y, Z on how the state of our life, but it all comes down to us. I mean, that's the story of my life. So <laughs> speaking, from, speaking from experience. Right, right. Um, so what point in, um, in your life did you start venturing into different aspects of it? And you were like, okay, I'm going, you said it. At one point you said that you were selfish about it. and you. I was, I was extremely <laughs> selfish. Um, extremely. What was the turning point where you're like, okay, I can use this for good and I can help people. And I want to dive into this deeper. The, I, I think the pivotal point happened back when like AOL was first first out there, and I was uh, it was right after a motorcycle accident that I had, and um, I recall I was in one of those psychic chat room reading people whatever, really freaking people out because I could do like re- I was doing like remote viewing and and just you know going in the house and telling what I saw and I don't like this you should change that and they would just get out of the chat room freaked out. Um, but I came across um, a guy who, whose brother committed suicide. And he asked me if his brother was okay. And that, w- that to me was a pivotal point because when I saw his brother, his brother was not okay. And communicating that to him did something to me. It, it, it turned on a switch that, um, that made me realize that the gifts I had um, were for good and I needed to knock it off with the self-serving and um, really help some folks out there that um, were struggling to find help. Yeah, because I mean, knowing that information that he was not okay, like delivering that, that's a big responsibility. How do you put that tactfully? I don't think there is a way. Well, um, there is. So I reach out to the spirit of uh, of the suicide and, you know, get a feel for what they need and then um, go back to the family. Like in that situation, I told, I felt that he needed more prayer from the family. He needed forgiveness, that sort of thing. And um, when I conveyed that to his, to the, uh, the brother in the chat room, uh, he was very thankful. So for me, it's hard. It's kind of like a doctor, right, or surgeon, when you have to go back to the family and deliver something. It's part of the job, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, but um, an understanding of of the gift and who's backing the gift, I can't worry so much about how the person is going to take the message. My job is to deliver the message. And what's hard is because I'm an empath is that I feel it. So even after I delivered the message, it stayed with me like the image and the pain stayed with me for a couple of days. But this again was back when I was, uh, this was like in my, in my twenties. 
So now I have a little bit more, I've fine-tuned that empath. Empath ability or gift um, is the hardest of all the gifts. Everything that you you saw there listed in my bio, the empath is the hardest because it can stay with you for a little bit. And if you're too open, then you're getting too much coming at you. And if you're not open enough, you miss some of it. So you have to really practice. And it's not like one day I woke up and I had it solved. It's, it's a, a daily thing where I have to practice getting that tune, tuned right. Yeah. So I'm not completely overwhelmed, but at the same time, I'm not walking around with a bunch of shields and walls around, around me. Right. And Reiki, we talk about, and you're familiar with Reiki. You do Correct. Reiki as well. Um, you know, when I first started, I, you know, we always say ground yourself, root yourself into the ground exactly. and, you know, receive the energy and give the energy. Um, but yeah, I, I had a hard time walking away from certain people that I know were drawing all kinds of weird energy, like colors of red, like this person needs more power. They feel powerless in their life. And then I would talk to them after and I would see these things like this person feels like no one takes them seriously. I feel right. really bad for this person. And, and I hate to talk to them afterwards and be like, I'm so sorry. Like people do take you seriously. You know, I mean, I would carry that stuff with me and then later on and then I'm wonder why i feel so depressed like two days later um but no you're you're right and i can't even explain how i just kind of cut it off or not cut it off but i mean filter it i guess but yeah that is a really difficult thing and you do this now i do this like everyone's in a great while but you do this every single day like i can't even imagine yeah pretty much because you know i'm I'm, now with with beverly working some cases um, I still have others on the side, and then I also have my own personal issues and things that I'm trying to work through, you know, um, from from my childhood, from some of the things I did. Like I said, I was self-serving. I still got to make up for some of that, too. Mm-hmm. Karma does not discriminate. So, um, you know, so it, it's a lot going on. But one thing I, I, I can't lose sight of is, one, is you have to have your faith anchored. You know, it, you can't just be out there like a, a sailboat out in the sea and the wind just takes you this way and that way. You got to have it, your faith anchored. And um, that alleviates the majority of it. Knowing that um, the messages or the healing energy like with Reiki that is coming through me is not coming from me. So if it comes through me into that person, the, the universal healing energies are healing me and the person that I'm working on as well. That's how vast and how powerful the universe is. So, uh, and I think some folks out there forget that. And it's, they get to the point where it's about them and what I can do and what I can heal. And it's not like that. Mm-hmm. You're an instrument. That would be hard because I think mo- most people are looking for that that relief of, yeah, just tell me that my loved one is okay, that they're happy and that they've crossed over and they're at peace. But if you can't tell them that... It, it's a hard situation to be in. Um, and I was wondering if someone is in a situation w- with either suicide or a tragic death, such as murder, um, would their spirit most of the time be kind of lingering around and not cro- fully crossed over because either unfinished unfin- business or, like you said, the sadness? And Yeah, so there could be several reasons why a, a person that uh, dies doesn't a a person that dies just lingers right um one they don't know they're dead and that's a hard message to deliver to a spirit hey you're not you're you're dead 
because it can happen so suddenly and so tragically, or they're just not accepting of it, or whatever their belief system was, if it was non-existent or it does exist and they, you know, it just caught them off guard or whatever the case may be, then they're going to stick around and they don't know they're dead. Kind of like the Sixth Sense movie where he yeah. didn't. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So it happens more often than not. Um, <clears throat> but then there's those that, yeah, they passed over, but like you mentioned, they have either unfinished business or they're afraid. Fear is, is, a, is a very powerful thing. And if they're afraid of leaving what's familiar, then they become attached to what's familiar. That's how you get the spirits attached to their possessions, attached to their homes, or attached to a person. And I want to say at least half of the folks that I dealt with that had a suicide, after that person committed suicide, within days, they themselves were having thoughts of suicide. And it's because that spirit is next to them and that influence and there's exchanging of that, that energy. So, um, like I said, there's several reasons why someone won't accept it or dead or not even realize that they're dead and linger. Um, so do you feel like, so you said you believe in past lives. Um, do you actually, do you do readings? I know you do healing and, and you can, um, tap into that, but you, do you have people who call you up and you do psychic readings? Not so much. Like the thing with the, <laughs> the Detroit bus company is I filled in for a psychic medium. Oh, okay. They had a psychic medium lined up and something, something happened. And then. And that uh, was destiny because we met you when you came <laughs> exactly. on. Exactly. I, so I was just thinking that. Yeah. Too. So. Uh, it's funny the way the world works. Yeah. Right. So, so Mark, who's in charge of the uh, Michigan Paranormal, he got in touch with Beverly, who who was going to New York. So she's a psychic medium as well as a demonologist. She couldn't do it. She was going to New York. So then she called me and I said, OK, let's do it. <laughs> So um, my thing is I, I'd rather describe it as I read energy. And so for me, it's more not so much like uh, a tarot reader that's asked me a question and that, that, or a psychic medium where sometimes they have spirits come inside them and that's how they get their information. Where for me, I'm just reading energy. And that's why I, I kind of favor not just your typical uh, reading, but information that I can get from the universe for you to help you along your journey and go into a homes. I like when the homes actually talk to me and speak to me. Um, like in some of, some of the stops that we went to on the, on the haunted tour, I would put, uh, you know, just touch the bricks. If I could find like original bricks or whatever, they've been there the longest. I put my hand on that and kind of have the building talk to me about its history, what's gone on there the different energies that have passed through there. That's what I find. That's my, my thing. Yeah, because the, re- the reason I asked was because um, if you do have a lot of people that you read for, uh, I was wondering, have you ever come across, since you believe in past lives, have you ever come across someone who's like, oh, well, I want to get in touch with my um, sibling that passed over or my loved one that's passed over? But what if they went into reincarnation and they are on to their next life do you ever have that happen where there is someone that is going through another life and they're, so their soul's actually not here or I, around I, still for you, know you to be able to communicate with them? Right. So I think that's happened to me maybe twice. 
And it's more like me assuming that the person's already in another incarnation. I didn't know for certain. I just knew that when I reached out to mm-hmm. kind of get a message, with it, there was no one there or no spirit there. So I was just like, I can't make a connection. Uh, what I do is it's not like 100%. And it's not like I have it all figured out. So sometimes I have to just rely on what I'm being told. Mm-hmm. Right, case kind by case basis. Sort of. But it's also uh, the fact that I'm more like a receiver. Mm-hmm. So if if... The message is there, and sometimes it comes crystal clear. But other times when there's no message, I, I'm not supposed to force a message. Right. Because that's when it could be something else. And that's what I, I try to avoid as best I can. Because when you try to force something, it's just like those that play with uh, Ouija boards or uh, the seances. You're trying to force something to happen, and no, nine times out of ten, it goes left. <laughs> Do you feel like you walk around? In your everyday life and you, you go to a store and you see a lady and you want to say, I have this message for you or you don't, or you don't no. feel like that when you. So I used to feel that way. And what was happening was that I was absorbing too much. Mm-hmm. And then I'd get home and I'd become almost like agoraphobic. I don't want to go outside anymore because I'm picking up stuff. And, and you could, <clears throat> when you're an empath, you can even, if you're not, every, like I said on a bus, I think everyone has that empathic ability. And you know, sometimes you get home and you don't feel like yourself. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you start doing things and you might you might get in the routine and you're doing things that are that are not really you. And then a friend comes up and says, what's going on? This is not you. You're not like this. That ever happened to you? Yeah. So I know. I ha- yeah. So that or for some reason you, you keep dropping things and you're just you're not in your right mind. Exactly. And then somebody comes over and says, you know what? I, I we're going to do this. or We're going to do that to kind of get you to snap out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's almost like it's an influence that can happen. Like you can pick up different energies from people and it sticks with you or you can pick up a, a spirit attachment an astral creature or something and it's influencing you and you don't see it or whatever but those around you see it those that care about you and they say you know you're not you're not yourself right now um and that happens more often under influence right if you're if you're using drugs or alcohol uh meds whatever it is that's what makes you makes folks really vulnerable to that kind of uh influence so when you look at someone and you can see energy, you said, like colors or just energy is in general, did you say? Yeah, not so much the colors, but just like energy. Okay. Um, can you tell when someone is having like ailments, when they're sick or when they're having negative energy um, versus someone who you feel more, I mean, we can go in a room and we can tell someone by their body posture right. and um, obviously the look on their face that they're having negative energy either because they're just being a negative person or something has happened to them and they're wanting to exude that off and um, affecting the whole room. But I was just wondering if someone is having internal issues, say they have a condition that maybe they don't even know about yet. Can you actually see that in their energy? Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes I can. Um, Again, it's not one of those things where I I walk around and I'm looking at everybody and kind of like, X-ray them and see what's going on. The Terminator. I, I don't have... Yeah. I want to make a movie now about <laughs> that. All this data comes up. Right. <laughs> Gemini likes long walks on the beach. Yeah, exactly. Has a toothache. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that much time or energy. I really don't. And um, if anything, when I'm doing that, I try to do that for myself, you know, and, and my loved ones more so than just uh, someone I don't know. And right. I, just, I try to keep... I try to respect their privacy. You know, because like you said, they may know or they might not know. And I don't want to be, hey, you know, you have this, this going on. I wouldn't want somebody coming up to me and telling me that, like out of the blue. So so I kind of keep that 
Now, it's different if someone comes up to me and says, you know what? You look familiar to me. And that, 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 then we start a conversation. It might go in that direction, but I'm not like stopping people, you know, on the street or at the supermarket and say, hey, you know what? You have this, this, and this. You might want to take care of that. That's kind of freaky. Right. And it's interesting that you said, you know, you want to respect people's privacy um, because that brings me to a question of now, is there like, let's say somebody wants to be, I don't want to say red because I'm, I'm saying that for lack of wit. Um, someone wants sort of this energy analysis. Is there a, a process that you go through to sort of ask um, their higher self or spirit? Like, can I do this for you? Do you feel like um, if someone has like a guard up that they don't mean to have up? Um, is there any way to bring down those walls? Is there like a form of asking for permission? I guess I'm saying. Is there a form of etiquette to it? Well, there is. I think even uh, I know there's different um, different folks that teach Reiki a different way. But when I was uh, down in Florida learning Reiki, that was one thing. They always said you want to ask permission. You don't want to just jump on someone and start doing Reiki. Right. <clears throat> so for me, you can do Reiki without permission, um, but it helps when you get the permission mm-hmm. because now that person is more open to it. So it, it eases things. So the same in, in, in your question, like there are those that <clears throat> will come up and ask questions, but I know they have walls up because they, they don't want me to see this. They just want me to look at that. And because of that, some folks won't come up to me because they're afraid they're scared, then yeah. I'm going to see this, even though they really want to mm-hmm. know about that. So <clears throat> um, it happened once and it was very funny on the, on the, on the, haunted tour and I was with a mother and a daughter and I said what's going on with you two and the daughter was like no everything's fine <laughs> and the mother's like yeah we're fine we're, we're doing good and then the daughter looked at me and she shot me and I was like, <laughs> like stop stop don't, don't yeah go, go to the, go <laughs> to my little sister leave me alone don't so, go down that road <laughs> right so I just kind of like winked at her and said no, no worries you know but um it's one of those things again where I feel that if it's meant to be where someone uh, comes up to me and we start a conversation or uh, something along those lines and it leads to that where I'm giving them messages uh, that the, I put the universe in charge of that. So I don't, I'm not the type to really go out there and try and initiate that. Um, that's why on, on my bio, I don't put anything about me being a reader in that sense, mm-hmm. you know. Um, um, but I, my dad was, an, was a tarot reader, probably one of the best that I've ever known. Um, and he had been doing it for over uh, 30 years. Um, he was an astrologer as well. But what I saw with it um, is that it, it took over his life. You know, he had three decks that he used at the same time. And uh, I recall going to visit him. And before he would go out to back then when we would get VHS movies and stuff like that, he had to use the tarot cards to find out what movie he needed to get. Oh, or, wow. Yeah. So that's a a form of addiction, right? And it's a cheesy because those tarot cards are very accurate. So, but if you get to that point, you're not living. Yeah, you got to trust yourself at some point. Right. Instead, he was trusting the, the cards. So <clears throat> the cards, uh, and he taught me at a young age how to read tarot cards and stuff like that. But, you know, I progressed from the tarot cards to the ruins. And and I like the ruins because they were, they were more vague. So there was more journey, more risk, more experience involved with them. They weren't as specific. And then when I realized that this is just about energy, then I, I left the ruins alone and just worked with energy. 
So your mom and your dad both have a gift? <clears throat> so my mom was uh, Christian, like born-again Christian. She was more about the Bible, Jesus, um, and she actually got a degree for Christian counseling. My dad was into the occult. So that's where uh, some of my influences is uh, like Rudolf Steiner, Joseph Campbell, uh, Carl Jung, um, Madame Blavatsky, those type of people. And I got that from him. He was heavy into the occult. So um, you get the two together and then you get me. So I kind of, I was raised Catholic and some other denominations there in between. But um, so I do have, and I studied the world religions and things like that, early civilizations and uh, the mystery schools. And I kind of just, I'm a blend of both. That's why I, I can you, I can talk about faith, I can talk about the Bible, and at the same time, I can talk about paranormal, and I can talk about what's influencing us out there. That's kind of like us. Yeah, it's very much <laughs> like us. I was just going to say we're, that. we're Christians. Yeah. But, I mean, we don't have the gift like you do, but uh, we're Christians, and we also believe in um, you know things like of the nature that you're speaking of tonight. Right. I grew up fire and brimstone Pentecostal, like around people that spoke in tongues. But that's a very paranormal event in and of itself. And all I write about is the occult. Well, there's a ton of paranormal in the Bible. A ton. Pretty much 99% Angels, of it. <laughs> yeah. Angels, you know, uh, there's all kinds of things in the Bible. I, I, I don't understand why. I think people are scared of what they don't know. So yeah, a lot oh, of times sure. they'll label it as something that's bad or evil and that it goes against... Uh, God and such, but it really. Well, I who feel was like... it? Who was it that said uh, there are no facts, only interpretations? Right. Was that Nietzsche? There's a philosopher that said that. No facts, just interpretations. I have mm-hmm. a question. So, if you're, you said you can see energy, right? So, I mean, obviously, somebody that is trapped in limbo or spirit would also be energy. Correct. Everything is. So, if somebody had like spirits attached to them. Would you be able to see that surrounding them while yes. seeing them? Yes. Okay. I, just... I actually have a book. I drew some some things that I've seen. Okay. <clears throat> Lately, what what I've been seeing and working with are astral creatures um, coming mm-hmm. out of portals. Right on. <clears throat> yeah. Super creepy. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny that you talk about that because Casey and I talk about that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have really an experience with that but she does she she's had instances i mean she can talk about it herself but um where it's been a little bit freaky and yeah she's was... a, sad, a shadow person right because i remember when i mentioned <laughs> yeah. it she hits you on the she's leg like, she goes she <laughs> like grabbed me like like yes yeah no it we're was... vibing right now because <laughs> i'm totally like, feeling what he's talking about it was about. a night too because when you brought up demonology i was studying demonology that night and we talk about leaving yourself I don't know, spiritually vulnerable and things like that. Um, I was doing research for a story I was writing, and that night, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the demon's name because I looked up illustrations, and it looked exactly like it. He's got, like, the, uh, the body of almost a dragonfly. Um, uh, but anywho, yeah, I, I, I didn't even know sleep paralysis was a thing. Mm. Never even heard of it in my life. It's never happened to you? No. Uh-uh. So it was lucky. At, at my parents' house— and um, yeah, I was somewhere between between consciousness and uh, sleep, and I felt something holding down my shoulder, and this heaviness. 
And I look up and all I can see, like, I can't scream. I can't move totally immobile, just like sleep paralysis. And it's a winged creature looking very smoky, just kind of sitting there. And I want to scream so loud for my dad. And my dog was there, too. And, I mean, the dog's not reacting. And it's very, very strange. And um, so even when I could break free and turn on the light, the thing was still there. And I just kept screaming. And then when I went to, I'm like, I know what I saw because I slept with the light on. Like, I know exactly what I saw. So I typed it into a Google search and boom, the first thing that came up was sleep paralysis. And I learned that it was a phenomenon. And when I watched that documentary uh, called The Nightmare about sleep paralysis, they had the same reaction. It was a whole segment called It's a Thing. Like, they had no idea either that there was a whole, you know, hundreds and thousands of people who experienced the same thing, this paranormal event. But when I watched it, I was watching it to compare notes, not for the nightmare scary factor. I'm like, I want to know what they saw. What they saw and felt was way worse. I couldn't even get through the documentary. And it was her, one of our first nights in the new house. I'm like, turn it off. We can't We can't do this. Um, <laughs> you don't want to trigger your sleep paralysis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then more. it happened again in Chicago at C2E2. John Medikin was sleeping right next to me. And I kept trying to reach for him. And I'm like mouthing like, John. And it was, instead of, like, a person, it was, like, a red orb. And I couldn't move, but I knew it was at the foot of the bed. And I was, like, trying my hardest not to look. I'm like, oh, God, I don't feel right about this. Like, this is really strange. So I'd love to hear your take on this. Okay, so here's the thing. And I and I was, I, I can't remember the guy's name that was talking about this. Because I've been trying, I think I mentioned it to you guys when we were in, in, in the bar there when we first met that I've been trying to do some work with shadow people and their connection to our shadow selves. And <clears throat> that together with portals, right? So one thing I've, I've, I'm still working on this, so don't take it all as, as you know, fact, so to speak, but whatever. So for me, portals are made and opened a lot of times over your bed. And... It happens when you're being intimate with someone. Um, and that portal can remain open. So it all depends on what's going on with the person you're being intimate with. Is that as far as what's going to access that portal. Mm-hmm. Now, that together with the energy from your bed because beds are sponges, and I think I talked about that as well. If you had your bed for five years or longer, you need to switch your bed out. So a lot of times you'll find something at the foot of your bed that's manifested or something is holding you down on the bed. In order for, for spirits or creatures to do that, to get that type of uh, strength and manifest to that degree, they need energy. And if the lights are out, the energy they're getting is from your bed. So think about everything that happens in your bed, the dreams you have, uh, the sadness, uh, the partners you've had in bed, all that energy gets soaked up in that bed and they can use that. So that's one. Second is the way this guy was describing two two mechanisms in our, like in our, I'll say our brain, but whatever, our mind. One is the ability to Shut your physical body down so that you can dream. That mechanism did not shut down. We would get up and try to act out our dreams. 
So in order for us to dream the way we dream and not act them out, that mechanism needs to shut down. The mechanism that allows us to dream and imagine and experience all that, that has to be on. And sometimes the two don't line up right. So you could the one that, that does the dreaming and has you traveling and doing all those kind of things, that'll shut off. But the one that then allows your body to get up and move didn't come back up. And there you're, you're laying there in paralysis and you, you want to move your conscious and you can't. And then this thing that, that either came through the portal, came with you from your dream is now in the room holding you down. You know, that's terrifying. It is. <laughs> it's very terrifying. It is. But I think it's 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 important. And the reason why I say that is because of some of the things that folks are doing in their beds and don't and they're not realizing the energy that they're storing in their beds and the type of activities they're doing on their beds that open these portals. I And again, I'm still working on it. I don't know how long the portal remains open. You know, I said that in my lecture and some guy said, well, hopefully it's longer than two minutes. Everybody was cracking up. He's <laughs> <laughs> a funny guy. But um, it's it's a concern that I have. So, um, you, so you don't think her tapping into because she's she she's an author. She was writing and she was researching, um, you know, things of this nature before right. she went to bed. Do you think that has anything? Of course. To, okay. Of course. So it's like they say uh, curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought him back. Curiosity for me is one of the biggest um, triggers because you 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 want to do the research. You want to figure something out. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, you don't know what you're tapping into. And if you if you tap into it, how do you tap out? Right. And a lot of folks don't know that. Like, for instance, the Ouija board. Um, there's a certain way you're supposed to close that board. Well, I'm not going to touch one of those. Yeah, I was like, nope. <laughs> no, that's fine. But I don't think I ever <laughs> closed that down correctly when Correct. I used it. Right. Literally ever. So think about it. I feel because like that should be in the instructions. It's like but the it's windows. Not. Right. <laughs> right. right. My eight-year-old's like, how do I turn this off? Unplug it. Unplug it. <laughs> it's horrible. You know, it's it's a tool. It's it's, it's definitely can be used as a portal. But like you said, it's not in the instructions how to close it down. Mm-hmm. And you know, some folks would be like, oh, nothing happened. Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. Because these entities that come through, they don't adhere to time like we do. So I've I've had some cases where someone, well, yeah, we did the Ouija board, but that was like two years ago. So I don't think it has, any, you don't think it has anything to do with it? Mm-hmm. These things that come through don't adhere to time the way we do. They can come through and sit and wait and wait and wait. And then boom, all of a sudden, all this madness is coming out. It's to make you think that the Ouija board had nothing to do with it. Right. So how do you properly close Shut down the Ouija down. board? Control, alt, delete. <laughs> or, or do we have to find that out in your lecture? No, I don't, I don't okay. really like... Actually, Rebecca Smuck, I think, is the expert on Ouija boards, but I, I believe what she said is that little blanket thing that that's not supposed to be stored with the board. Oh. And oh. you need to make, just like you do an unconscious effort when you put your hands on it to open and communicate, you got to do something similar to that when you're shutting it down. Oh, okay. Like closing a portal. Well, that, that's exactly what it is, okay. closing a portal. So they should be giving you two boxes, but they only give you one. I, I would just highly recommend don't use it. Oh, no. I remember, yeah. like, so, <laughs> yeah. That's like ideal, said, but every kid's going to be here's like, the can thing. I talk to dead people? Cause that'd right. be cool. Because that'd be cool. Every kid's going to do it. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, TV shows out there now that's, that's kind of targeting a younger audience, but mm-hmm. um, 
I think it was Bev that told me they they actually have like a Barbie Ouija board that they've constructed. What? Shut up. No. Why? So I went Just online looking. Why? There's yeah, there's like a like a pink one and you know yeah. So it's targeting eight year olds. <laughs> Looks so innocent. Um, like I said, Casey and I are cousins, so uh, we we have a lot of cousins. So we would go over our one cousin's house who had a Ouija board, and they would always want to play it um, at sleepovers and birthday parties. And I was, I think you too, weren't you? Where you, I know I definitely was always scared of it where I'm like, I am not touching that thing. Oh yeah, so we you, were, you were right next to me. And I, was I was like, I'm like, not yeah, touching nope. that thing. Don't get it anywhere near me. So we watched them and we're like, oh, it's, stu- it's stupid, you know, play around with it. But um, yeah, I, did it I don't once. know, I just never wanted to touch one and I was always afraid of it. Yeah, I did it once in the graveyard. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Around Halloween, like when you guys were kids or something? No. I wasn't a kid. I was just. That would probably be even more enhanced because of your powers. I say, you're gonna, if you're gonna <laughs> yeah. do something, you gotta go all out. <laughs> right. People are popping exactly. up everywhere. You're seeing stuff. Go big stuff or go and then, home. And then you're like also <laughs> communicating through a portal. <laughs> I'm not gonna do Ouija at home. I'm going to a cemetery. I'm right. gonna do it right. Boy, did I go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it could have gone like more wrong. Out with a book with all your um, oh, location, man. location, location. Yeah. Yep. It was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> I'm still working on that karma. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> so, um, your partner, the demonologist, what is her name? Beverly Fish. How and why? Why demonology? Uh, I mean, I know she's not here to, to speak for herself, but also to to link up with someone in that practice. I, I guess I, I only know the surface about it. It's the study of demons, obviously. But, there, I mean, there's there's got to be a lot more to it than that. Well, there is. And it's not something that you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a demonologist. Right. Again, this is lifetimes. So um, I think I went to one of her lectures. And I said to myself, man, she sure talks about demons a lot. And in my lifetime, I've only seen two. So... Um, my connection with her was her intent. That to me mattered more than anything else. Her intent is to help folks. And um, you could have certificates, licenses, degrees, whatever. But if I don't feel like your intent is really to help folks and instead you're kind of like I was back then, just self-serving or trying to, you know, well, you need to take this class and then after that you need to come see me and we do this class and you're just charging and charging. I don't like that. And um, her and I came, you know, after her her lecture, we got together, we sat down at Tim Hortons and we just shared experiences and we kind of clicked. And um, it's like, we don't always agree on everything. We can uh, um, agree to disagree and move past it. Um, but I learned from her and she learns from me. And the more we work together, the more we gel in that sense. So at least I, I feel like, she can handle this side of things if it goes that way, and I can handle this side of things if it goes that way. Um, and so what, if it's demonic, I refer to her. When it comes to the astral-type creatures and the clairvoyance, she kind of refers to me. Have you ever been possessed? Um, I would say temporarily. It wasn't like a full possession, but um, I recall when I lived in Puerto Rico, which is where I, I did the Ouija, by the way. Um, I recall going to visit a friend of mine's, 
his house for the first time. We had been friends for a little bit, but it was the first time going to his house. And when I went inside the front door, his mom yelled from the back of the house, from our bedroom, who is that that just came in the house? She yelled in Spanish. And he told her, Time, which was my my uh, nickname back then. And um, she said, oh, okay, because an Indian just ran around the house. So that was my first experience with a spirit attachment. It was on me during that time period that I, like I mentioned, uh, the graveyard with the, with the Ouija and stuff. So um, it wasn't like I said before, a full position where possession where something was inside of me, but it was definitely mm-hmm. on me and, and it was wreaking havoc. And, um, sorry. Go, go ahead. Um, so when an incident like that happens or, for you, you can see things, but if someone is to say do what you did, but they don't see things and they don't hear things, then they kind of probably just feel the energy or feel maybe feel um, emotionally a little bit of Unsteady. an attachment. Um, so yeah. you you're talking about what are like the like, symptoms of being um, a, having an attachment yeah, versus possession? And, and so for you, I mean, studying into it, and and you probably it, it sounds like there was a lot of people in your life who you could relate to and were in tune with the same um, clairvoyancy and um, had the same kind of gifts. So you could probably look up to them and they would guide you of what to do, like how you can deal with certain situations. But how is someone who is not in tune with things of that nature and doesn't know what to do, how can they help themselves for if they feel like they might have an attachment so I, I really didn't have, outside of my, my family and my dad's side, I really didn't have, like, mentors or people that, like, this guy's mom, I mean, I've only seen her, met her twice. So it wasn't like someone that really helped me out. In that time period, I wasn't really into that in that sense. I just knew I was wreaking havoc and causing a lot of problems. <clears throat> but um, I've met folks and psyches, and, and for them, it was hard for them to read me. Um, even my dad, like I said, he he was one of the best tarot readers I know. For some reason, he kept blank cards in these decks. And when he went to read my future, those blank cards came up like the universe told him, that's none of your business. So it's it was really hard for psychics to read me. Um, but someone looking to get um, some help with their spiritual situation, again, everyone has spirit guides. Someone on the other side that's going to help you out is one, acknowledging that they're there, and then two, being willing to communicate with them. And once that communication happens, three, being able to do the work. Because it's not like, oh, there's somebody there, I don't have to worry about anything, they'll let me know. No, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. If, if the communication is done properly, they're going to tell you, okay, this is what I need you to work on, this is what you should stop doing, this is what you need to do more of, that kind of thing. And if it's, again, if it's done properly, um, priorities in your life are going to shift. Because our number one priority should be to uplift the spirit of every woman, man, and child. And if you're not doing that, I I won't say consistently because that's a big undertaking, but I would say um, to the point where you're actually doing it, making a conscious effort to do that. I think every once in a while we might see a story on the news or come across someone and say, you know, I got to help them out because something inside you just motivates you to do that. But there's a lot of people out there that need help. And we need to get to the point where we're doing that, like I said, empathy before thought and just really helping each other out. And that should be the priority. Now, when Holly brought up an excellent point about how can 
people help themselves and um there's some people that that don't know where to go or turn for help um when you first said that you did you know spiritual cleanses and cleansing of houses and um it's interesting because I think in a lot of people's minds, a popular culture, they're like, well, I'm not even Catholic. I don't know a priest. Right. Or they're even scared to admit that I think there's something in my home because they don't right. want to be called crazy. So to have people like you out there, I mean, it's it's really, it, it's a blessing. Um, and um, how, normally, how do they come across you normally in a Google search? Like, what nine times out of ten, what normally happens? Like, how do they find you? Well, <clears throat> Right now, a uh, majority it, it comes through Beverly because she's been doing. She's been out there established for a while, mm-hmm. right? So um, cases be coming through her, and then she contacts me, and then we go help the folks out. Um, I've gone to events. I pass out flyers for free home cleansing. I've done all kinds of things, like trying to get the word out. Like I said, I've I've done it more consistently in the last six months. And going into 2019, I'm going to do it some more. So I'm doing all I can to get the word out there. You know, You're know, you doing a great job. I'm trying. I'm trying because I'm like my own promoter, marketer, uh, accountant. I do it. I you, do everything. You kind of touched with us, too, because you said in the beginning, well, my your, your day job and how you're trying to <laughs> right. uh, afford the means to do your passion and, and right. your true calling. And we talk about that a lot with. I mean, I'm not going to go into it, it specifics right now, but um, about how a lot of us have this passion and we feel like this is our destiny, but how do we have the means for it mm-hmm. as far as money and, and being able to afford to live that life? Because how do you get there? You know, so it takes a, a lot of uh, faith and trust, um, but. From what I've, from what I understand, not just from what I've, I've, you know, researched, but in my personal life, when you're following your passions, the rest will come along with it. Because that's that's why I put that word together, destiny and fate. Because for me, if you're following your passion and your passion, then you're, you're fulfilling your destiny. If you settle for something different, then you settle with fate. So I think we all, at different points of our lifetime, come to a crossroads where you're either going to go with your destiny or you're going to go with your fate. Because like they say, there's only two days that really matter in your life. The first is the day you're born, and the second is when you find out why. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've talked about a lot about uh, how, how do you find your true calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's so great that, you know, you found yours and you're helping people. And I mean, you're helping us tonight and you're, you're opening Absolutely. our minds. And, um, but I want to say, and I, when she grabbed my leg that one day, it was like <laughs> the excitement and to like, oh, said, somebody like, knows, yeah. <laughs> uh, someone knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not crazy. But let me, let me tell you something. Um, so for a while there though, I did give up on it. I said, you know, I'm not doing this anymore, regardless of all the, the numerous people that I helped. And the reason being was because I couldn't help my parents. They both passed, and it, it really affected me. Now, I mentioned before I was abused as a child, but they were my best friends as adults, uh, in my adult life anyways. So I, losing both my best friends really affected me because I talked to them about certain things I thought they should be doing and what was going on, just like I would tell someone, and they didn't 
it didn't make a difference. So when that happened, I just said, you know, what's the point of having these gifts if I can't help the two people that I love the most? And I just stepped away from it. And it kind of just sat next to me and waited. And it waited over a decade for me to come back around and realize that um, I need to continue, pick up, pick up where I left off, but with a sense of urgency. Because there's a lot more, a lot can change in a decade. And there's a lot of folks out there that need help. So, but in doing that and fully trusting in the universe, it allowed me to set something up. And I say this to, to some folks here. Um, be specific. If you want to follow your passion, be specific, specific as to what it is and how you want that set up. I want to be able to do what I love doing and I also want the universe to have me financially set where I don't have to worry about my bills. I want a reliable transportation. I want this to that. Be very specific. It's like the law of attraction. Put it out there. Don't hold back. We talk about the law of attraction. Do it big. A lot. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I yeah. just finished that book Positive too, The Laws of Attraction. Yeah, It um, works. So that's what I, 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 when I sat down and said to myself, I'm going to get back into this, I had to follow some of that as well and really believe in it. And I, I was just talking to Nicole, who also works with Beverly, myself. We were talking about trust. And I said, there is a difference. If you're, on, if you're on, standing on a cliff and you jump off that cliff, face forward, like this way, and you trust that you're going to be fine when you hit the bottom. There's a difference between doing that and turning around and jumping off that way with your back facing. And I said, when you fully trust in the universe, then you're turning around and you're jumping up with your back facing, right. not forward facing. And there's a difference. So, And I mean, you talked about fear and how that can block things. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we, we, we talk about, too, how the only thing to fear is fear itself. Um, that can really cause a block in your life. Yeah. So they, for me, and this is one of the first things I was uh, actually working with before I took that hiatus when my parents passed. But I, I, for me, there's only one thought, which is fear, that resides in the mind. And there's only one emotion, true emotion, which is love. And one conquers the other. So if you... Thinking with your mind a lot, that's where fear resides, and that's why we have a lot of things. In. And it's not, it's, I mentioned this in our lecture, that's just the way we're built. It's about survival, right? If I dropped you on an island, you're not going to be, oh, this is a beautiful island. You're like, where am I, and how do I get off? What am I going to eat? All these survival things are going to take place, and you're going to be afraid, because you're going to, am I going to be able to do this? But again, when, we, when I talked about empathy, if love is the only true emotion, then what is anger? What is jealousy? Where are they coming from? Right. They come from the mind. Because in order for you to be jealous, you got to be thinking about something. In order for you to be angry, something triggered your thought. Something, whether it's you, uh, fear of being abandoned, fear of being taken advantage of. There's all kinds of fears. And, I, and I've done this. Simple test. Make two lists. List everything you fear and list what you love. See which list is longer and which comes quicker. A lot of times the, the, the list of fears, people just nonstop just writing and writing and writing. When it comes to love, it's like, I've actually asked, it's like, um, when's the last time you guys were like truly happy? And they have to really think about it. But if I say, when's the last time you're afraid? Boom. They give me all kinds of examples. Right. It's just the way the brain is wired. 
So if just getting something like that and working with that, you know, if the only true emotion that exists is love, all these other emotions are fear-based and they're coming from my mind, uh, from my ego. And that's where the work is. Being able to decipher that, work with that, and then turn it around where love is the emotion that you're going to be experiencing. One experience, not just for yourself, but for others. And um, so you're talking about fear. Have you ever experienced, I know you said it when you had the visions as a child, you weren't really scared because you were a kid and the world didn't teach you to be scared of these things and they didn't teach you that this was something to fear. But now that you're an adult, have you experienced anything that has made you scared as far as your abilities? Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's only two uh, quote-unquote natural fears that humans have. The first is the fear of falling, and the second is the fear of loud noises. So if you fear anything else besides those two things, it's not natural. That's really interesting. Yeah. I remember So that. this is what scares me. Whales. <laughs> is it, Killer whales? <laughs> is it the size? No, I actually character? like... I, it, it, I actually like killer whales. They're extremely <laughs> intelligent. Um, just big, big whales. Yeah, because I always... You know, the, I see like those... Like that one movie, Castaway, <clears throat> and the, when the giant blue whale... Like a blue whale is as big as a jetliner. And it, that thing, like, rolled up next to you and looked you in the <laughs> eye, and Tom Hanks is all cool. I would have been like, ah! ah! Yeah, but that, that's a movie, but I'm watching on YouTube these <laughs> kayakers kayaking next to a whale, not kayak. And I'm like, no mm. way in hell. <laughs> <laughs> now the whale that will, whale have a beef. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I just, I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. Because I think it would kill me on accident. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> Yeah, just lean over to the side like, and um, rolls over on the goodbye, camera. Omar. <laughs> so yeah, I imagine that's out. the way. I can listen. I can. A whale rolled over. Him. <laughs> <laughs> the sneeze Such rolled a victorious over. Death. I'm dead. That's it. They find what my kayak floating by itself. Um, but no, um, you know, I I can. I don't know what it is. It's like these astral creatures and stuff. I nothing like that scares me. And. I was just talking to uh, Bev and Nicole yesterday. Like, I, rem- I recall something being in my bedroom. This was many, many years ago. And it didn't belong there. It like, woke me up. And both my hands got really hot. And I remember saying to it, if you don't get the hell out of my bedroom, I'm going to blast you from here. To keep <laughs> and I'm trying just, to get my rest right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it disappeared. So I don't have... You know how some people uh, talk about different things attacking them and, you know... Um, feel like something's chasing them. None of that happens to me. I have a lot of faith. I have a lot of uh, backing. And um, I, I remember working with a client and I was I was woken up like around three something. It was a, a hand grabbing on a, like an old type of uh, note, like when they wrote on cloth or something, it was tied up, bundled, and it was holding its fist and it shoved it down my throat, down to where the elbow was out. And, and that woke me up and I was choking. But then when I realized what that was about, I was fine. So to me, it's not so much being scared. It's like, okay, why did that happen? What are you getting my attention for? That kind of thing. But um, So you feel like most of the time when there is something that occurs that might scare other people, it's mostly just because there's a certain message behind it, not because it's intentionally meant to No, it can be both. This is what I think that's happening a lot that people don't realize. 
that we are manifesting some of these things that we're experiencing and feeling. And instead, society has taught us that it's something external that has nothing to do with you. But it does because our first influences are the thought forms. So how are you thinking? Like, I, I don't know if I mentioned on the, on the haunted tour that we were on, but, you know, uh, that research group that did the study that, they said average person has anywhere between 10,000 to 50,000 thoughts a day. 80% of those are negative. So, and that's not the, the biggest issue. The biggest issue is that they're negative and we believe them. Mm-hmm. And then 90% of them, we're going we're gonna to repeat those thoughts the next day. That's concerning if we can manifest and create things with our thoughts. And if, you, if you're a negative person or in a negative situation and you're thinking about it day after day after day after day, energy doesn't disappear. It just changes form. And that form has to go somewhere. That's the problem I have is that I cannot stop thinking, like continually thinking. That's about, a problem. Yeah. And how to quiet that down because my cousin, you know, Casey, she meditates and she can mm-hmm. get into a certain state. And my thought patterns are just, I feel like it's just a bunch of scattered mind chatter, anxiety, energy. Yeah, how do you quiet that down sometimes? Well, too? some for everyone, it's a little different, right? Meditation may work for some folks, but even that meditation varies, right? I can put headphones on with music and s- still meditate, while some people have to be in a completely quiet state. So it all depends. But if you can't do that, my advice would be to find an outlet where your focus goes somewhere else, as opposed to you're not focused on anything and then your your thoughts are all scattered. If you if you like to paint, focus on that. Now you're focused on the canvas and what you're painting. That's a form of meditation as well. So for people that have that kind of hyperactive mind, that's what I would recommend. Find some kind of creative outlet because it's that creative energy that will get you in trouble because you don't have it. You don't have a direction for it. You don't have a, an outlet for it. And it's just like circling, circling, and it has to go somewhere. And it can form itself into what you think about the most. And a lot of times it's fear-based. So you catch something on the corner of your eye or you feel something beside you in bed and it's not something external or something that's actually attached to you. And if you don't do anything with it, eventually it can create a life of its own. Hmm. Never thought of it like that. That's very interesting. Um, a life of its own, like your thoughts are ruling you. Yeah. At some point. And, then it, it, and what happens, and the reason why this is a concern a major concern of mine is because I know that happens a lot in prison. You have nothing but time to think. Right. And you have a lot of anger, mm-hmm. I would think. Not everybody, but some get rehabilitated, some don't. But I mean, like, that's a problem for me because um, those thoughts are going somewhere. And they don't necessarily have to stay there in that cell because these things can travel. So when we when we talk about being open using drugs, alcohol, meds, and stuff like that, and you get thought forms from, you know, really um, dangerous, um, violent criminals, that's a problem. Because hmm. they attract the same type of energy. So you have somebody here that's thinking about causing harm or, or being violent, and then some of these thought forms come, and now they have a crowd. And you know anything, if, if there's people here and they're egging you on, nine times out of ten it's going to happen. Yeah, um, I I see that you're a shaman, and 
what is the process that you've taken to become a shaman? What, how? Oh, that's that's an interesting question. So, one thing is, I was informed by my guides, in a sense, to put the modern day in front of it. Reason being is because it's not a, it's not traditional in that sense. Where, and um, I I received an email from. Some, I'm not gonna mention the guy's name. He's on YouTube. He's a shaman as well. Oh, okay. Oh, but he read me. You're a nobody. You're oh, this. You don't have oh. this. You don't have that. You haven't. Whatever. It's insecure. It sounds like he's trying to tell well, you out of full of judgment. Yo, yeah. Wow. This yeah. Email, here's the thing. If I write a book, I'm gonna put this email in there. But I'm not gonna put his name on it <laughs> because I want people to realize that in the type of work that we're doing or that I'm doing or light workers in general, you gotta have your ego in check. Yeah. If you don't, someone like this could ruin you. And the flip of the flip version of that is you can also become a person like that. Mm-hmm. That's ego. You don't know me. We just exchanged emails. And the reason why we exchanged these emails is because I, I can relate to some of the work you're doing. And I just wanted to ask if you considered influence from thought forms because I didn't see that in your work. And he went left. Like, who are you? You don't know this. You haven't done that. I know real shamans. You're that, 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 that. And I'm like, woof, whatever. Anyways, so for me, it started with the gifts. So like in the beginning stages where I'm learning how to, I knew how to, I, I knew I saw things, but then understanding what I'm seeing. That took some time to develop. Then my hearing. I recall um, the universe testing my hearing, and the best way to describe it is like this. You take an orchestra of every single instrument you possibly can get on this planet, put them all in the same room, and have them all hit the same note at the same time. That happened to me. It was like angelic. But from that point on, I was able to hear better. Um. And then the empath, being able to tune it so that I'm not completely overwhelmed and stuff like that. So it was a, it's more like uh, uh, years of testing different gifts and using that to a certain extent and then graduating into something else and then gra- or initiating into something else, being initiated into something else. And um, it took me several decades before I realized that putting that all together is what a, sh- a shaman does. But the modern day... The reason why I put the modern day in front of it because I also want to be conscious of politics, um, economic states that people are in that need help. Um, so it's not just about all spiritual. I'm over here. You need to contact me. I'll get you a reading, this, this, and that. No, I want to be out there in the streets too, you know, meeting folks, you know, talking to them about their homes and how to get that better, talking to them about choices when it comes to politics, what to avoid, what's you know, what's pressing matters and stuff like that. Um, I also have a lot of philosophy that I, that I read and believe and kind of like um, history in itself. Um, so I, I, it's like a blend of all that because for me, the number one thing that, that a shaman is, is a healer of the community. Yeah. It's not about just, Hey, I'm over here and if you need a healing or you need me to, you know, read you, I'm over here, but I want to be out there in the community as well. And it's not always about, you know, my gifts. It's about letting the folks know that they have gifts as well that I, I want them to develop so they can heal themselves and heal other, others as well, you know, and kind of pass that on and pass that on. You know, it's not about just Omar. It's about these gifts 
you have these gifts too. I want to help you develop them so that you can pass that on to someone else and pass it on to someone else. Like I said, uplift the spirit of every man, woman, and child. That's the ultimate goal, the ultimate vision. And that in and of itself is probably why these people at find you because if you look at, you know, like this guy that sent you the email, he's one of those who I offer a service and he waits for people to come to him instead of being an activist. And you're an activist and you're open and you're saying, this, this is what I do and this is how I can help everyone. And then people will be more apt to be like, I think there's something going on in my house and I was scared to say anything. Right. You know, so that's probably why you are getting, you know, uh, people are finding you more and, and it, it's, uh, it's not just about marketing, but it's about, like we talked about those, those walls don't right. exist. It's not, it's not egocentric. It's the right intention. Right. So. That, at least that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to put out there and the, and the universe understands me. I understand it to as best as I can. And, um, the, Everyone can have just one simple goal, and that should be to be a better person today than you were yesterday. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. You know, it's too simple that a lot of people don't get it, but it's, I, to me, that's a simple one to remember. You know, I just want to be a better person today than I was yesterday. And if that means that I'm greeting more people, smiling more, you know, having more fun, because that's important too, to have fun, find out what it is, be a kid, kid like, you know, and not. It, it, I've learned in my experience here, I can't always carry this. At times, I just put it to the side and I just zone out. Maybe I go to watch a movie or maybe I, I, I just listen to music or I just take a nap. Yeah, self-care. You <laughs> yeah, got to take care of yourself. Alone. I'm on, I'm on punch out. I'm on break. <laughs> right, because how can you help out. other people if you're right. not helping yourself too? Well, that's the thing. And, and I've come across some that have that superior complex, right? And they think that they have to save everyone. Mm-hmm. And I re- I recall seeing a psychic in one of the psychic expos, and she was talking to this young lady, like she was passing the mic, and she was reading folks in the gallery. And the young lady got the mic, and she was all like, "I do this, that, 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 and I've helped so many people, and that, that." And as soon as she was done, the psychic looked at her and said, "So why don't you love yourself?" Mm. Boom! Girl started crying. I mean, like tears just flowing. I was just like, "Whoa!" She just cut through all that. <laughs> How you sentence. love you love all these people. You 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 give them every ounce of your energy, but you haven't saved anything for yourself, so you can love yourself. That was deep. Yeah, and that's a lot of people too. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, random and and going back to because um, there was a, a question that just resurfaced in my mind about past lives. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? Such a thing as like a brand new soul, and do you? It, what is the criteria of something that is brand new? Have you ever encountered that? I haven't. I, I to be quite honest with you, I I wouldn't know. For me, it would when it comes to something brand new, it'd be more like extraterrestrial. Ah, coming from another planet, another solar system, another universe, that would be something new. Like they're signing up, <laughs> and it's those folks that you look at, you're like, yeah, something's not right about that person. <laughs> And it's because to just this is their first lifetime on Earth, in a sense. So that could be kind of different. But as far as like from human uh, lifetime to another human lifetime, that I haven't encountered where this is my first. But when I do, for me, it's like extraterrestrial. They're not really from. So Earth. we've talked about on this show in the past mm-hmm. hybrids. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you believe in hybrids yeah. of uh, human and yeah, extraterrestrial? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, 
my belief is that we were created by extraterrestrials. And if if anyone that believes in the Bible should be agreeing with me right now. Also, (laughs) 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 am I right? He's not from Earth. Look at the definition. I like definitions because some folks take words and they kind of put twist them into their own definition. But the definition of extraterrestrial means not from Earth. I never really thought about it like that as far as God. So you kind of blow my mind. (laughs) But am I right? Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, (laughs) So. we, we also talked about our opinion. Now, when you think of extraterrestrials and um, aliens, mm-hmm. do you have, do you feel like they're, when they come here to study us, and I mean, we both believe in aliens. We both have different views on it, though. I feel like they're not here to harm us. We're, you said you more felt like a little bit more sketchy about it, right? Yeah. So what is your view on that? Do you feel like they don't want to harm us and they are not trying to? Or you, do you feel like their intention is not as good as maybe I assume it is? Okay, so here, here's the thing. Again, this is just my opinion. There are numerous races of extraterrestrials. You're going to find some that don't mean harm, and you're going to find some that do. All depends on who, you, who, what extraterrestrials you're coming in contact with. But there's, there's plenty out there that, that are not out there to harm us, and there's plenty out there that are. And do you believe that the um, government and uh, like NASA have been in contact with aliens? Yeah. Absolutely. But do you believe that they just are not wanting to tell the world because the fear factor and that people would freak out? People would freak out for me saying God is an extraterrestrial. So, yeah. It's, it's like very touchy. It's, it, it, it is. Because you're, you're, it's like... It's easy to incite mass hysteria. Yeah. You're going to... What, ha- what happened when Orson Welles did that thing? Oh, World of the Worlds. When he made that announcement, people took it... Haley's comment, how many people jumped off of buildings thinking that was the end of the world? We're dealing with folks that, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately, even with the Internet being what it is, because there's a lot of misinformation on the Internet as well. So they have these blinders or they create a certain perception that they can handle. And I think so the government then has a huge responsibility. A lot of people, are they lying to us? Is that okay? Mm -hmm. But are you ready for the truth? Right. Because once you get it, you can't undo it. Right? It's just like I've met people there. Oh, I wish I could see go. I wish I really be careful what you ask for. Right. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, it's like if you want to know for yourself, there's ways and different things you can do. You don't need anybody's permission and you could go find out for yourself. As opposed to relying on the government or some someone else to tell you what's really going on. And sometimes we think we can handle the truth. Like, okay, so there's, <laughs> there were times when, you know, I'm, we're hip to all this stuff. We, we investigate conspiracy theories and um, what could be fact, what could be theory, what, what have right. you. Um, but yeah, for the, for the first time ever, like I had chased a, something way too far, an idea. And like I was saying, and um, I couldn't, 
I wish I had unknown what I knew. And that was when coping skills really had to go into overdrive. And it was hard. It was really hard. And um, it was a total Sarah Connor moment. Mm-hmm. Totally. And where it created animosity in my home. My boyfriend and I almost broke up over mm-hmm. it. Uh, sleepless days. He's like, you're, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just need you to listen to me. That's it. But, you know, my brother, uh, he's put it best because he's hip to all this. And he said, Casey, I exist in two worlds. He's like, we're hip to all this. I'm woke. And I am I try to be as aware as possible. In the other world, I got to find a good college for my son. You have to cope and you have to press on. You have to make peace with things. And you have to learn how to do that. Um, so if you are wanting to chase a rabbit, make sure you know how to get out of the hole. Correct. And there, there's a reason why there are secret orders. Uh, there were ancient mystery schools. It, it's not for everyone to know all at once. Right. It's not. But just because like shamanism is not for everybody. Right. They can't handle it. Right. A lot of people think they can, but they can't. And that's the reason why you don't know. If you can handle it, the universe will have it so that you do know what you can handle. Well, watch how angry people get when you suggest that Stanley Kubrick might have had a hand in staging the moon landing. Whether you believe it or not, the idea that you entertained it, some people just get up in arms. and yeah. They go off on a soliloquy like, you're talking about man's greatest achievements. How right. dare you? It's like you have an angry response, like you said, it's in your mind, out of fear. Out of fear where you could say, well, I don't believe that, but... You know, go ahead and state your case, which is fine. I agree to disagree. And I'm not saying I believe it either. But I remember watching the Star Shining Code. And actually, I wrote Dirk Manning's foreword about this in Tales of Mystery. Um, I was watching it, and my roommate, I didn't sit him down to watch this damn thing. I'm just, like, entertained by it. And he kept angrily pacing back and forth. I go, what is your deal? He's like, you can't tell me you believe this shit. And I'm like, I, I didn't say I believed or disbelieved. Right. And that's when he stood on his imaginary milk crate and just... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I can't remember what I said. Is anything to get him to shut the hell up. <laughs> but I'm just like, that taught me a lesson. And like, some people just can't deal with one small step for pretend. And maybe I should have been a little more sensitive to where I'm like, some people just can't handle it. And that's okay, I guess. Yeah, but there's also a flip side to uncovering too much. Because right. then you become a threat. Right. Right? You become a fear monger. They got to they they take you out. Yeah. And that happens too. So I remember there was like a, a year or two that I was kind of into the conspiracies a lot. But then I realized those that um, exposed or unveiled certain things didn't stick around long. They got, they got them out of here. Right. So um, our show's all about. I know. It's like, <laughs> listen, Goodbye. if if you want to find out who really knew the truth and some things that are out there, they're not here with us anymore. Well, look at William, or they're hiding. William <laughs> Cooper, who was gunned down for tax evasion. Right. I bring him up on the show all the time. Like, Behold how, the pale horse. Yeah. yeah. That's when we talked about aliens and how I see him as a threat, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I've been reading way too much William Cooper. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those books, too, that you have to be prepared to read or right. hear something like that. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, gunned down for tax evasion, his whole family. Who gets gunned down for that? That's really weird. Used to work for, you know, uh, Naval Intelligence, had to broadcast, you know, his radio shows from wildly different locations yeah. every time. So like, it what, wasn't just for marketing purposes. He didn't want to be found. Right. But right. he wanted the truth to be known. Correct. And I think that, I mean, even 
every once in a while I would listen to, you know, uh, a lecture that he does or even Malcolm X and just to get that energy, right? Because there's different folks throughout history that got a hold of the truth and were fearless with it. And I kind of want that energy too. I want to surround myself kind of with that energy, mm-hmm. the fearlessness when you have the truth. Um, knowing that you're going to die for it. I mean, to me, there's no greater honor than something like that. Than having something to it's die for. It's a huge responsibility. Um, and knowing that you're going to end up leaving your family, loved ones, you never lose sight of the of the cause, and you're dedicated to a hundred a hundred and ten percent of yourself to that cause, knowing that the outcome can be right around the corner where they're going to take you out for it. So, <clears throat> and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be just about extraterrestrials or the government stuff. Just people that knew a truth, believed in it to the point where they were willing to die for it. You know, the Gandhi's, the you know that that type of that type of uh, energy to me it's important to have we don't have enough of that nowadays no we don't you know because even the ones that i feel that act like they have it they're puppets they were placed there and the proof for me for that is the fact that they're still alive right. <laughs> not, a, not all of them i mean some of them are dude they're doing their thing like some whistleblowers or whatever i get it but it's not like some of the ones that we had that they just they had to get them when out the of there. media when the mass media starts praising radicals quote radicals then it makes you wonder like Mm, are they batting for the same team? Are they, yeah, are they radical, there's a lot of that that goes on too. Are they your radical? Right. So here's here's an, another thing that I that crossed my mind the other day. You know, we have what can be considered fake food, right? It's not real food. You are what you eat. So then we have fake people, mm-hmm. and people make the news, so we have fake news. So it's just fake, fake, and fake, and it's getting more so. So it's really hard to distinguish. For some folks, what's real and what's not. You got the crisis actors. <laughs> you, got, you got studios all in place creating things. It's crazy. We're living in some crazy times. But underneath that is where we have to reach some folks that, one, can handle the truth and then be fearless with it. I um, find it interesting that there are some people who are so closed off to, you know, even hearing about things that are different from what they believe just don't want to have an open mind. I know this guy and quite a while ago I was talking about energy work. Um, and I believe this is more towards when I first became a massage therapist because in massage therapy school, you learn about energy work and tune with chakras, things of that nature. And he just was like, Oh, I don't believe in that. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's okay. I mean, but why, you know, I just, I, I'm just curious. Oh, because I don't believe in energy. How do you not believe in energy? Everything has energy, you know, um, <laughs> even from a non, like a, from a secular level, but like you would everything have, is yeah. energy. You would have to ask him to define the word energy. Mm-hmm. What is he defining that word as for him to say it doesn't exist? That's what I would be curious. I'd be like, well, okay, so what is energy to you? And then after he tells me, I'm going to look it up and say, well, this is what energy is. He, he said, um, not about the energy thing, but he said, if I can't see something, I don't believe in it. Now, I could argue with him because he was a Christian and you can't see God, but you still believe in it. And that's... Well, you don't see oxygen either. 
Mm. Right, it's true. There's a lot of things you don't see, but it's there. Because right. if you didn't have oxygen, we'd st- <laughs> what is right. wrong with people? I can see the oxygen. <laughs> no, um, I want to know what you're smoking. Did <laughs> <laughs> I have some? Wow. But yeah, I'm just that that comes back to feeling threatened and being very well. Here's the thing: Cha- change is the only constant in life, and people don't want to change. They get comfortable, and that's it. And that's why if you want to initiate real change, you have to make people uncomfortable. Yeah, everyone has a box, and it's mm-hmm. it's the the box is the worldview. And they put certain things in it, and they sh- put a, a lock on it. They just put a lock on the box, like, that's it. You know, we, we landed on the moon right. that first time. <laughs> you know, don't try to pry it open. And, I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's fine. But then, case in point, you know, I don't mind if someone's atheist, agnostic, you do you. That's cool. But do you ever notice that militant, I call it militant atheism, is very draining and they talk about God more than someone with faith? It's the weirdest thing. And it's almost like they're angry with God. And then I'm like, well, let's go back to Carl Sagan, who is an atheist, a very outed atheist, or was passed away, of course, um, who said, I don't believe in God, but his, the idea of his existence does not threaten me. And it shouldn't threaten you. So you shouldn't have this this militant, angry feeling towards those of faith. And this is spoken from a very atheist cat. So and I can get on board with that. I believe that too. I mean, if you have strong beliefs and you truly believe in what you feel and and you know what you're living, then you shouldn't be feel threatened by what other people. Well, here's the thing: when it comes to belief or belief system. Do you believe it because that's what you were taught or do you believe it because that's what you experienced? What came first? Right. Your experience, then you believed it, or someone told you this is what you need to believe in and then that tainted your experience going forward. And you'll find it, people fall into one of those two categories. Mm-hmm. And that's where some of the debate comes in. You know, it's normally experience because people ruin church. I mean, that, that's, that's my, my my personal view, but it's like... The the things that people don't like about faith mm-hmm. is always created by people. And it's like, no, that's not a part of faith, though. And I know it's hard to see the difference when you've had that experience. I understand that. But it's it, it's something that I think everybody has to take. If you are going to delve into what sort of faith system, if you want to belong to a faith system or have some sort of faith, spirituality, what have you, that's a big responsibility, and you can't rely on other people to provide that experience. Right, but the other thing that's key is if you believe in something and your faith is dependent upon other faiths being wrong, that's not right. Right, exactly. And that's the wrong intent. Yeah. So we have a little bit of time left. Um, okay. Do you care if I share the number and if, if there are anyone listening that wants to ask you questions, if they can call in? Sure. Okay. Um, so we're in Studio 3 right now. The phone number here is 248-579-5260. That is 248-579-5260. If you're listening and you do want to ask Omar a question, you can call in. Um, he said anything goes, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Any kind of experience that you've had, you need some, um, want some of my uh, advice or insights into what could be happening. Um, that's what I'm here for. I find that um, a lot of times in my life or other people's lives uh, that if there is something strong that you're supposed to be doing 
or maybe it's even your spirit guides, like you've talked about, reoccurring things will keep coming up. Signs. Or- right. So you'll get that message, for instance, if if you need to get over a grudge that you have with someone in your family. So the universe will continue to give you that message that you need to work on that. You'll get it from complete strangers. You'll get it from family members. You'll get it from a book, a movie. It'll just keep hitting you until you do something with that. If you're in tune with it, like some sometimes that's happening and people aren't in tune, they're not connecting the dots. Like synchronicity, is that is that what you're referring to? Um, That's more. That's when it's really, really deep. For instance, like on my second motorcycle accident, um, I was in two lanes of traffic going in the same direction. We both stopped waiting for a bus coming out of like a, a, a complex, and a lady hit me from behind. I went up in the air when I came down. Went over to the side. My motorcycle was all twisted. The guy that was in the van next to me, though, you know, he came out. He says, you know, if I saw everything. If you ever need anything, give me a call. He handed me his card. His his name was Omar. So I looked at his van on the side of his van. It said Masters of the Universe. So that's, to me, more synchronicity. With something's, when you clearly know something bigger than you is in effect. He man. And happening, I know that was He-Man's yeah. you know, little thing, right? <laughs> so I thought it was, I thought it, was, and it, and it just continued more so with the names. Like when I ended up going into the hospital for them to do the X-rays, um, the nurse that was taking me, she had the same name as my mother, which is Martha. So um, and I had to continue when I went to rehab. The guy had the same name as my son, and it was just like different little things that happen. If you can connect those dots, it's a beautiful thing because you forget about yourself and realize there's a bigger purpose, a bigger you know, picture. Um, I've experienced where, like I said, uh, things have come up multiple, multiple times and sometimes you kind of just suppress that because you're not ready to go forward with whatever you need to go forward with and follow that um, message. But I feel like later when it's come up again and um, the message started becoming more clear and, and it was funny because I have a client who uh, he I've told Casey about this before, but he is he's always been very calm when he comes in and he has this nice energy. It's very calming energy. And he never spoke for the first so many times I massaged him. And then out of the blue one day, he just started speaking to me and we got into a deep conversation and found out that he does um, meditation and he can get into a deep meditation. And he was reading my energy and told me some things. And one of the things he touched on was um, the topic of what I'm talking about with part of my, the, without really saying it, the, uh, (laughs) the message that kept coming forward that I felt like I was supposed to do. And he said, Oh, I I could see you doing this. Like, this is what I feel like you would be good at. And I'm like, that's really weird. Cause I, actually have been thinking about that and i never said that vocalized that and we really hadn't talked much up until that point oh but you were talking (laughs) because i i'm certified massage swedish and i did advance as well down in florida so when you're massaging someone you're exchanging energy and if you've massaged them a couple times you your energies were talking and even even when we talk to people like face to face it's more so body language and tone 
that's being understood more so than the words. Words sometimes get in, in, in the way. But if you're doing energy work, which is what you're doing, massage, Reiki, you're talking and you're exchanging. So for him to, to pick that up, I think it's right on point. It's, I mean, if, especially if he's a spiritual person because he does the meditation and stuff like that. So it's not a coincidence that the two of you met, got together, and you're doing energy work like that. So the universe can use that. And that's how you got that message from. Right. I felt like it was a further tool to show me, hey, correct. um, this is something that you've been thinking about and a confirmation Mm -hmm. that you should move forward with this. This is not just, you know, you're right. So here's the thing. The the universe was telling you that you just you just weren't trusting enough. You were still trying to dissect it. it. Yeah, of course, because it's here. That's what we talk about. You follow your passion from here. It'd be like, no doubt. Boom. Let's go forward. Mm-hmm. But here, you're like, ah, how am I going to make money doing that? Ah, this right. person's not going to let me do that. Ah, <laughs> I tried that before. It didn't work. So all that stuff starts kicking in. But the universe will keep reminding you, just like it did for me when I took the hiatus. Mm-hmm. It just sat next to me. And every once in a while, you get a reminder. You need to get to work. Mm-hmm. You need to get to work. So, Yes. Um, where can we find you? So my website be the quickest way the say spiritual consultations you google that it'll pop up uh my phone number 727-244-0650 that's my direct cell um my uh email is first and last name omar yeldell that's o-m-a-r-y-e-l-d-e-l-l at gmail email me get a hold of me even if it's a simple question or a question you've been carrying around or uh, want to be part of hopefully what's going to be a movement uh, next year. Um, that experience at, did we go to, to the Eastern Market? Yeah, we did. So what I saw there at the Eastern Market starting uh, sometime next year, I'm going to reach out to, I'm put the call out for several light workers so we can do like a healing circle there and do something with that energy that I felt from the, the cholera epidemic and the graves that were unearthed there moved. So um, I was going to go with just a couple of people I know. Then Universe told me, no, open it up bigger than that. Uh, get some more people involved. Reached out, you know, reach out to healers in Detroit all around and see who comes and make it a, a group effort. Very cool. Um, would you be interested in coming back on another time in the future? Absolutely. Um, would you want me to bring Beverly? Yeah, actually, yes. I was just gonna say that you're already reading what I'm. <laughs> People get a lot of they get very curious with the demonology. Yeah, like, what? yeah, bring her. Yeah, yeah, she'll she'll come. She's very cool. Okay. You guys get a lot of um, from her, and she'll get she she'll be thrilled to do it. I'll speak for it. That she'll would have be been thrilled. hilarious if you asked that question. He'd be like. No. <laughs> well, um, after the show today, I realized that why am I here? <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed my time. And again, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And I, I'm sure she will, too. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you, man. Like this is, you. this is the first show. We've gone straight to hours, no break. Sorry about that. Oh, well, really yeah. break. <laughs> yeah, see, like time flies yeah. when you're having yeah. fun. We're, we're just like, so we're, immersed we're in what like, you're saying. We're both like engrossed in what you're saying. Like, <laughs> like you should just be the show. You really should have a show on this network. <laughs> you think, really should. Uh, we think you so should. So I, I, I bought microphones and I was going to do uh, a podcast like from my house. I just haven't had the time because I got case and well, work. You can and come on anytime so you want on our show. Yeah. There's yeah. only so many hours in a day. So We're here bi-weekly <laughs> Monday nights. If that works out for you, just uh, message one yeah. of us. Get a hold of us on Facebook, what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Whenever you're free, you can pop in. We'll love to have you. 
Hell yeah. Good, good. Because I think <laughs> Beverly and I would like to, I mean, one of the things when we met and we and Tim Hortons, we were talking, we wanted to get out there and uh, reach a larger audience and in digital age now and stuff like that. We know podcast is part of that. So that's why I bought the mics. But every opportunity that, that pops up, we're going to take advantage and, and do just that. We want to get the message out there. Okay. And like I said before, spiritual cleansing of homes, it's free. We don't charge for that. You know, but you got to reach out, tell us your story, and we'll be there. Yeah, because we can also, um, we since it was not enough time, I can also give you the link where people can listen um, because we do this live. So and then and then okay. it's recorded and then you can share it later. But okay, um, if awesome. someone wants to tune in or you want to post it on Eber stuff. So, okay, so. awesome for sure. Thank you. Well. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you came on. Thank you <laughs> thank for you. blessing thank us you with your so, presence. Thank you so, so much. You're thank welcome. You. Um, so, yeah, until uh, not next Monday, but the Monday after, I'm Keith Pierce. I'm Holly Arden. I'm Jess. I'm Omar just drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> thirsty over here. Two hours straight. And I'm here, prisoner. And, I'm, <laughs> and I put people in awkward Y'all positions. Are working on them. All right. Good night, guys. Thanks so Good much. Night.